So if you're not able to turn every single one of your projects into a dream job, then you're, I think you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Hi everyone. And welcome to making ways the podcast, all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, and I'm so glad you're joining the show today. We've got such a great guest today, my dear friend, Katie O'Brien. She is the VP of Creative at Freeman XP, a design and brand experience agency. They design all sorts of events and conferences and live experiences. They're even getting into virtual reality. So we talk all about Katie's career today. She's got really wonderful advice and learnings that she's had over the span of her time at different companies and roles and agencies. And I think you guys are going to learn a ton. Coming up on this Monday, June 19th at Butcher Shop, this amazing agency here in San Francisco, I'm so excited to bring you guys and for people in the San Francisco area to come out for Making Ways Live. I'm going to be interviewing Eric Marinovich, who's an incredible hand-lettering designer and artist. He's part of the group Friends of Type, and if you want to come out and see the show live and ask Eric some questions too, go to sfdesignweek.org and you can grab a ticket. It's this Monday night, so come out. And also later this month in San Francisco, I'll be teaching a class on launching a successful podcast. I'm really honored and thrilled to bring uh, some of the things I've learned over the past year in ramping up for the launch of Making Ways to more people who want to launch their own shows. So check out ga.co backslash sf and you can look up my workshop and join in. General Assembly is a sponsor for Making Ways. So if you use the offer code Making Ways at checkout, you can get 15% off my workshop. And for any listener out there, you can use that offer code for any class or workshop at ga.co. Okay, let's get started with the show and the conversation with Katie O'Brien. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. We are really great friends, but now today we get to talk all about you and your life and your career and what it's like to be a design leader. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Let's do it. So first off, tell me about your role at Freeman XP. You are VP of creative there. Mm -hmm. It's an event agency, but tell me about what that entails. Sure. I mean, my role there has been totally different over the past five and a half years that I've been there. I think I, I joined when it was this scrappy little agency uh, to really bring strategy and creative together. Uh, it was mostly a creative production company, and that's just kind of uh, how it was. And then we were bought by Freeman and became Freeman XP. And then we uh, you know, started um, getting more into Freeman's business. And so my role has like so shifted every year over the past five and a half years. Uh, but right now I'm the head of creative. I have a team of eight people um, that I've all brought on over the past... I guess four years. And then, um, I work, uh, across all of our other offices. We have creative groups in a variety of different cities around the world. And, um, you know, I'm really focused on a lot of like creating best practices and processes and making sure like the work that we're doing is really amazing. And, uh, that's, that's basically my role there. What are the events that you guys are designing for? You know, it totally ranges. Like, uh, it, it, it could be like a user conference for a tech company that's trying to teach people that are using their um, software uh, stuff, but also really uh, get them super psyched about their brand. Uh, it could be a pop-up at an event. It could be a, a trade show booth 
at an event. It could be not an event at all. We're doing guerrilla marketing campaigns. It's just, you know, really uh, getting people to um, make a connection with somebody else's brand through a live experience. Take me through a typical day for you. You wake up, you get into the office. What is happening there for you? Brainstorms, like execution, managing. Leading the witness. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, basically it's, it's hard to say, like, I'm sure a lot of creative people will say like, Oh, a typical day. Like it's not typical, but it really, it really isn't like, and I've gotten to the point actually in the, in the most recent years of, uh, not even looking at my schedule before I get in because I, you can't prepare for what's going to happen. Things like just sort of come up. Uh, but you know, obviously I have a team, I check in on them. I I've grown accustomed to kind of letting, letting my schedule happen to me. So I walk into work, not knowing what sort of happened. I just look at what's the first thing. And then I kind of just play catch up as I'm going through because I don't want to be kind of, overly prepared for what's going to happen because it's all going to blow up in my face anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really kind of how it works. I I think, uh, you never know. You have to just be ready and not be disappointed that it's getting out of your control. Have you learned that over time in different roles? Like you've come in like in the past, super ready for the day, prepared. And then you're like, well, that just went out the window. Goes out the window. And I'm like, well, that's disappointing. And then like, I spent most of my day just being disappointed that I lost control. And it's like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to like lower my expectations (laughs) and then just be ready. Cause that's what we do. Right. Like we're just sort of figuring things out on the fly. Of course that's different. If like, just this past Friday, I was down in Santa Monica with a client and I had uh, a very scheduled back-to-back meetings with different groups. That thing was overly scheduled and I was prepared, right? Um, but you know, days that when I go into work and I know there isn't something huge to prepare for, I am just letting it happen. And let me ask you a really basic question. You're a creative director. There are also roles that are art directors. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I know that most people get their start as a designer or right. assistant designer. Tell me the difference between a creative director and an art director. Yeah. And then what the typical kind of steps are to work your way up. Sure. The way that we see it now, like creative directors are really kind of the owners of the story. A lot of those people can come from, you know, a copywriting background. They can come from a 2D design background, which is myself. Um, they can come from you know, really anything, but their theater, we have a lot of theater people that, that kind of feed into that. And they're, they're focused on that overall, that part. But then we also have design directors that are equal to the creative directors, but they're focused purely on the design elements. So they're not focused so much on the story. They're, they're the ones that are bringing that to life visually. They're focused on that element. So like brand, brand guidelines and, um, design, um, aesthetics, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then art directors are kind of that person below a creative director and a designer it's that person that's kind of everything it's that they kind of get really screwed I think in general they're the ones that like are meant to lead programs in some case but also support them so they they design them out and they this is like I call it almost purgatory (laughs) because you're you're still designing a lot of stuff but you're leading them as well and uh and it's the hardest time to like figure out how to let go so it's between a designer and a uh, creative director or design director? That's how it's always been seen, like a production designer. If you're thinking about like, okay, here are all the specs, here are the brand guidelines, go. That's the art director that's doing that. But they've still already designed a good portion before they're handing it off to a production designer that is literally just given measurements and style guidelines and like the content you know, filled in and they're just banging it out. And when we went to school together, yes. you were studying comm design. We went to Syracuse. And... Syracuse. <laughs> 
<laughs> so back then when you were in school and thinking about a career in design, did you have it in your mind that eventually you would want to be a creative director or did you think, no, I just want to design things and see where that goes? I mean, I think the way I started was definitely that I wanted to design things. You know, I wanted to, um, to just design all the time. Uh, that's what led me to Syracuse and, um, com design was appealing to me because it was more than just, I always wanted more than just the design. You know, um, I, I wanted to come up with the, the, the thinking I wanted to write the content. I wanted to create the overall experience, even if it was just, uh, in a brochure form. Um, but Syracuse does not train you that way, or at least the com design program does not train you that way. You're all about figuring out the problem and then the solution for that problem. And they don't train you on, um, any program. So it's not like we were, we had like, I remember a half day session on, I think Quark at the time, probably. And, um, you know, where they were just like, here, we're going to teach you how to do a layout, but then now figure it out. Like, and, and I remember being like, what are we going to learn web design? Cause this is so, you know, what's happening in the year 1998, I guess is when we were going into sophomore year. Um, and, uh, they're like, no, you can read a book, like figure it out. We're not teaching you anything that, that you can be, you can read a book. We're, we're having you just sort of explore this kind of stuff. Um, so I guess I always did think I was going to be more than, than that. I was going to be having a seat at the table where I was figuring out more things, but I don't, I think at the time I, I didn't realize that. So when you graduated from Syracuse, how did you land your first job? Oh, that's a, that's kind of a weird story, I guess. I mean, for everybody, but you know, when we graduated, it was 2001. I had already decided with my best friend from high school that we were going to drive cross country. It was all I could think about to get me through a portfolio and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, we weren't going to leave for a couple weeks. So I did, um, show my book around cause we had, um, Syracuse has this awesome program where they show your portfolios at Lubin House and a lot of different agencies come in and look at your book and give you feedback and set up follow-up interviews. So I took advantage of that and went to New York um, and looked at these places. And I remember specifically at the last place uh, that I interviewed, they said, so tell me, you know, why do you want to work in, work in New York? And I was like, you know, honestly, I, I don't. <laughs> like I, I, I had just gotten to that point after like a day full of these informational interviews that I was like, I don't want to live in this city. <laughs> and I had gone to school in upstate New York where everybody was going to New York city. And I know you love New York city and, yep. and there is some really spectacular things and I have done work in New York city, but I just didn't, I couldn't see myself there. I, I was from Boston, you know, it was so small and Manhattan was like too much. I just, it was not what I <laughs> what I had really intended. And so when I was driving cross country, the whole goal was to show my book in San Francisco and show my book in Portland and Seattle. These were the areas that I really wanted to, um, to live. Um, but um, the, like the day after I came back from those, those interviews in New York and the week before I went, um, drove cross country, my, my brother passed away. Suddenly he was, um, 20, uh, five years old. And so it was like a total shock. And it was like, what are you going to do? Um, you know, is the cross country trip canceled? Like all that kind of stuff. But my family was pretty insistent on me doing it anyway. But I think the whole motivation, the whole like, oh, I got to get a job out in the West coast, uh, kind of thing was, was really lost its priority. Like I, I realized how close I needed to be to my family, but not so close. And so after I went on this cross country trip, we drove, I did show my book to a couple places out here in San Francisco and like one place in Seattle, I think. 
But again, my heart wasn't totally in it. We got back and, and my best friend who I drove cross country with was moving to D.C. So uh, she had a job with the Department of Justice. And I was like, well, all right, let's do this. Like we just lived in a car together. Like I think we can probably live together um, in D.C. And then we moved there and 9-11 happened. <laughs> so it was like what are you going to do? Like, I mean, it, it was a different, you know, it was definitely different in DC than it was in New York, but you know, they were not, nobody was spending money on design. Uh, it was just not at all, uh, an interest. So I was, you know, working at Starbucks and waitressing at night, you know, Starbucks in the morning and, uh, just trying to make it happen. Uh, having lots of parties, uh, as <laughs> you're one to do when you're 21 years old and living in a house with your best friend and meeting people that way. And, um, one guy, um, we were like just hanging out, talking around our keg, I think probably. <laughs> and, uh, he was like, you know, they're hiring a sales uh, person at my company. Why don't you just come in, you know, and just sort of check it out. And I was like, all right. So I brought my portfolio because I have Moxie <laughs> and I was like, you know, I don't think you need a salesperson. I think you need a designer. Like I had taken a look at your, uh, your company and you could use some work because your logo has uh, like a beveled edge and drop shadows and like, <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, and for some reason they hired me. Um, so it was, it was an in-house at a technology company. It was like the best first job to have, I think, even though it was totally just taking what I could get, but I, it was so great because I was, uh, I got to learn how to have conversations with C-level people. Like I was really close with the COO and the CEO because it was their business. It was their baby. And just sort of understanding that my mentor, my first boss was my mentor, she's a marketing manager and she came from a PR background. So that really kind of shifted the way I thought about design. She knew that I was just figuring stuff out and I would go to printers and just be like, show me what I need to do in order to set this stuff up. It was just, they really like kind of just allowed me to do whatever, as long as I was self-motivated, you know, like I was not, nobody was saying, here's what you have to do, mm -hmm. which is scary, but it was also, you know, really amazing. But I left after, um, after a, a year, I guess a year and a half there, because, you know, I basically finished, I launched their website, I launched the rebrand and everything. And I was like, okay, yeah, I've gotten everything I need out of you. I need <laughs> like an actual design studio. Thank you. So let's go back uh, for a moment. So you graduated, your brother passes away suddenly. There's obviously this very traumatic event that also happens to the country and New York and the world and NDC. Um, it kind of changed your priorities, I guess, about, mm -hmm. about how you should approach your happiness and work and life. And yeah. what exactly happened for you there? What, what, what changed in your thinking that maybe helped rejigger you towards a more fulfilling path? Well, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good question because I think like, um, let me think about that. You know, when you're your final year in school, you're so, I mean, for, at least for me, I was so focused on my portfolio and so focused on, you know, being at the best studio, researching all those studios. I had had all these internships. I had had everything. And I was like, oh, I was ready to, to sort of make it happen. And then to have the rug ripped out from under you, you're like, oh, wait, like that's, let me just, there's a bigger world out here. Like, let's just think about it uh, for a second. And it just you know, th there weren't as many options. So I'm not saying that I made a point to just, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to work at a coffee shop and be with the people. Like that wasn't it at all. Like I was, I was just trying to make rent, you know, I had already, um, been ready to kind of make that happen. Um, I just, I took a moment to let the world tell me what I needed to do. I just stopped trying to control everything. So I think that was kind of the biggest 
learning there. And so you left this first job, you went to a design agency from there. Eventually you made the track from more of a 2D flat designer mm -hmm. to an experienced designer. How did you make that transition and was it jarring? Was it, was it really hard? Yeah. I mean, that's actually another, uh, weird story because so when I left, when I left that in-house where I was working in-house for a technology company, I went to this studio, this tiny studio that seemed really cool, you know, really small. And they were doing a lot of like magazine layout. I think, um, a lot of people that came out of our program in Syracuse were package designers or magazine annual report layout. Like that was the coveted job. Right. So I was like, Oh, I nailed it. I got this job, you know? And the guys were super assholes that I worked for. Like they were, they had misled me to be like what this, what this job was. Like I, I was part of a studio, but actually when I came in, it was a studio that it was three guys that had come together and then they decided to break apart. They were, they were divorced, but living in the same home essentially. And I didn't think I was, I thought I was joining a, a small group of designers, but actually I was the sole designer doing this stuff. And I was really green still, you know, like I had been working in-house at a technology company. I had worked, I had learned a lot about, you know, working with C-level people. I had learned a lot about developing a brand and all that stuff, but they were really, you know, hired me as a junior designer, but as the sole designer and expecting me to just take all their clients and like make it happen immediately. It was, it was really not fun, you know? And it, that was like a, a big deal. And I, and I remember thinking at one moment, like, you know what, I'm going to just, um, I'm going to just sort of see it out. And then I got laid off from there. Like, uh, and I say laid off, but I got fired from there. Like I was in over my head and I, I blame them a little bit because, um, they, they really did not highlight, like, had they said what was going to happen, I would have been like, Oh, I'm not ready for that. Or I probably would have said, you know, I'm going to fake it until I make it. But like, <laughs> at least I would have known, you know? Uh, and so then I was unemployed for a couple months, maybe two months, which was like the best time of my life. Uh, you know, where I was just really focused on different things. And then I ended up working at this event branding and marketing agency and doing, and that was where I started doing like heavy layout, heavy 2d design branding, um, and all that kind of stuff. And while it was in the event world, we always handed it off to people to do all the, the 3d and the live experiences that I do now. So I knew nothing, but I knew like a lot about 2d design and branding. And then I went to Fleischmann Hillard where I was doing, um, a bunch of communications design and, and I was doing a lot of, um, experiential in a way we were doing a lot of behavior campaigns for social change. So like a lot of like things that we're dealing with, um, you know, uh, binge drinking or, or anti-drug or, um, you know, working with pharmaceutical companies on people just trying to create a better lifestyle, like that kind of stuff, um, which was really much more fascinating to me. So, so, the reason I tell you this very long story is that like I kind of dabbled in so many different things that once I got here, uh, at Freeman XP and working with, um, environmental design and, and things like that, it, it seemed really natural. Like when I was interviewing for this job, I was like, actually, this makes so much sense. I don't have the exact background that you're looking for, but I have a, a lot of different pieces and that's, it tends to be what I look for in, in people because I want, I don't necessarily need somebody that's done it before. Uh, I want to hear, see people that, you know, are going to be able to tap from tap so many different areas of their world to, to get there. So I think like the biggest learning for me was actually not getting hung up on the fact that I didn't have a environmental background or an architectural background, just knowing that I have, you know, knowing who to tap in order to provide me that insight, um, is totally enough. 
Hey guys, I want to tell you about our sponsor, General Assembly. They are an amazing organization with classes all across the country, even across the world. They've got campuses where you can learn about digital marketing, SEO, data science, UX design and research. And they're really a phenomenal group of people who even help you after you graduate from these classes, take your career in a new direction by connecting you with people who work in those fields and actually can help you even meet people and get you placed. So check out ga.co. And if you use the offer code making ways at checkout, you'll get 15% off any class or workshop. So check it out. Let me know what you guys think. And let's get back to the show. So I know over all these years, you've been working in companies that have clients and different projects. Can you tell me about an ideal or dream project you Mm -hmm. got to work on? Yeah, I, you know, oh, in all of these years? (laughs) Or it could, yeah, it could be over your whole career or it could be at Freeman. Okay, actually, I am... I have I have a good good answer for this. I want to hear it. So so what I what I was originally thinking of saying was that you know ultimately I'm able to find something really amazing in every project and and I and and I, I want to make sure that it's not it doesn't sound cheesy because it, it is one of those things that you can just sort of say and and blow off. So our our uh, clients our accounts range from so many different things from concrete to to candy to to tech that I don't necessarily have any business understanding. But, you know, that you're able to find something so interesting um, about each is really, I think, my job. So if you're not able to turn every single one of your projects into a dream job, then you're I think you're doing it for the wrong reasons. But that said, I do have a little bit of a, of a dream project that I got to work on and it was internal. So um, Bruce Mao is somebody that I've uh, respected uh, and adored for a good portion of my career when we were in college. I don't know if you remember this, but in 99, I want to say, or 98, 99, he came out with the incomplete manifesto for growth, which is this like 40 something, 40 something point like program that it's like, um, it's statements that just sort of are all about like what it means to be a designer. It's a, it's like a, it's a manifesto or a, or a mantra that, that we all live by. Right. And so when you're in college, you're like, oh my God, this is, this is what it means. Like, you know, like don't be cool, you know, don't wear black, you know, like all this kind of stuff. Like he just, they're just reminders. They're really great kind of things that you're, are words to live by as a designer. And then, um, and you know, I fell in love with him then. And then when I moved to San Francisco in 2010, he spoke at a conference and I thought it was all about how design can change the world. That like, if you're doing design, uh, just for the money or, you know, and if you're going to, freak out or, or, uh, belabor over the fact that a client wants you to make their logo bigger then you know, again, get out of it. Like it's not, it's not important anymore, you know? And he was about like, how can we seriously shift the world, like make it a better place through our talents as designers. So that was really amazing. And then in 2000, I want to say 13, he started working with Freeman. So he's our chief design officer currently right now. Uh, I started working with him in 2013 and, uh, that has been like the most amazing. So like that's internal. We worked on our process that all of the things that we've been working on, just trying to figure out like how teams function at our company in order to make, um, our clients better, uh, outcomes, you know, have been, has been like the most gratifying project of my life. And then in, um, last year he, uh, was asked to, be in the Philadelphia Museum of um, Art, 
uh, he did. And he was like, well, I don't really want to do a whole thing on, on like the stuff that I've done. He's like, I'd rather do something about like working on what you love. So he did this whole exhibit. Freeman produced it. Um, on like the seven projects that he was currently working on or had just finished that he really thought was amazing. And one of them was the, the, our process project. So I went and saw it and I was like, something I worked on was in an art museum. I mean, it was his work, but like, you know, I collaborated and it was just like, that was, yeah, that was a dream for me for sure. So you talked about this dream internal project with Bruce. What about a horrible, bad, no good, uh, very bad <laughs> project or client? Yeah. I mean, you know, there are, there are always like people, people are always complaining about clients. And and the, my belief in that is that actually much like raising a child that there are no, like you are part of the problem a little bit, you know, so that you have to kind of look like if somebody is acting inappropriately or like not, like not getting it like there, it's because we haven't set it up appropriately. I feel like that's a lot of what our process does that we're really spending more time in the upfront and like digging out the opportunity and, and formulating ideas and bringing them along for the process. So that once we get into that build phase where we're producing whatever it is that we're doing, there's not like a, wait a minute, I didn't know this was happening. Like they should be very clear, you know? So I, I don't have, you know, there are obviously tough, uh, clients in there, but it's a little bit, you know, because oh, I may have messed up or, you know, something like that, where we just need to sort of backtrack and we debrief the situation and then we figure out how to, how to write it. I, I think the one thing that I, I, if I were to call out a client that has been terrible, it's because they were just terrible people. And I, what I've learned from that is that don't do business with terrible people. I think, you know, that, uh, and in any industry, there are horrible unkind, just people. And, uh, we've, we just don't work with them anymore. I don't think the money's that important. Uh, I think if they're not going to respect you or themselves, I think to really like be a part of that process, then, you know, you, you kind of just need to move on and you're going to be happier and just more successful just in general. Now that you're in a leadership role, do you miss kind of doing layouts, moving pixels and things like that? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, uh, I, I mean, I, I do design for sure. Like, I mean, I design a lot of the presentations I do. I have a very strong aesthetic and an opinion about certain things. And there have been times that things don't come across the way that they, they should really to tell the story. And I will jump in and do it much less now than, than like even a year ago. Um, because there are far better designers out there than me. Um, so I don't miss it, but I still get to dabble in it. And I do some freelance, uh, sometimes I take on, um, like more passion projects and I don't even do it for money anymore. I just do it for, for trade or for fun, but like, you know, like letterpress invitations, like I'm designing my daughter's, um, birth announcement, you know, like that stuff I really love doing and I will always do like any kind of home things. Like, you know, my husband has all sorts of ideas for how to, uh, create a brand for, our neighborhood. And I'm excited to work on that kind of stuff. So that's how I get that element out. Um, but yeah, for our clients, um, there, uh, we have much stronger designers to do that work for them. And I'm curious, we're living in San Francisco. There's a lot of tech, you work with tech clients and there's obviously this bubbling up of, uh, a new platform, virtual reality. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are thinking about how do I design for experiences that are going to be virtual and digital. Mm -hmm. Are you guys thinking about oh, yeah. that? Mm. And so where does your brain go in terms of both like technical expertise, but also thought process in, in approach? 
we have a dedicated team, you know, uh, pushing virtual reality. In fact, we have a studio that we're building, which you have to come oh, I can't uh, and wait. check it out. Yeah. Just for people to be able to experience some of the things that we've created in terms of like booth design for our company, uh, you know, forget showing a client a rendering. What if we can have them walk in and see where all the, the stuff is placed? We're using it as a tool to, to push that kind of stuff. How about advice you'd give to designers or maybe even, you know, people who are just thinking about how to approach a, a design-oriented career, there are kind of first steps into designing for experiences. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only advice to give, which is just be curious. Like, I mean, that's, be curious, be, be up for the challenge, you know, be willing to figure something out. I think a lot of people who come in will be like, oh, I don't do that. I don't do PowerPoint. I don't do, you know, um, uh, I don't do environmental. I don't do whatever then you're, if you come from a world of don't, then you that's what you're going to get. Like, and I think in experiences you can totally, I mean, it's a world of yes. I mean, all of it. Like, I think if you're excited, if you're enthusiastic, if you're just like curious, I mean, that's, that's really the only word I can, uh, I can use. I think I don't care what your background is. If you're fresh out of school, if you're mid career and your career has been all in, you know, digital UX, but you're like, you know what, it would be really awesome to do live uh, face-to-face stuff because, you know, that isn't ever going away. You're right. Like, I mean, I think that's why I got into it. You know, I think just, just be, just be confident, be, be curious and, and, uh, and make it happen. How about your own personal experiences of moving up the ranks and the ladder in corporate America and reaching this more executive level? Have you faced kind of systemic challenges or just a lot of surprises on kind of your way up that, that ladder? Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely, I'm trying to think of when, uh, it sort of happened. I think a lot of my career has been me just identifying, uh, a hole or identifying uh, something that isn't happening and just doing it. Like when I first started managing people, um, at, uh, this agency, I had identified that people were coming to me anyway for a lot of different things. And my manager wasn't really necessarily focused. That wasn't important to him. And so I was like, you know, look, I'm, I'm already doing this. Why don't you just promote me? Why don't we just, you know, sort of make that happen? I did a lot of those things because I really loved, um, giving back that I didn't necessarily, uh, request the proper salary, I think for something like that. And so, uh, that was a, a bit of a, a miss in, in, in the way that I kind of went through this career. I was constantly like, Hey, I'm already doing this. I'm doing it. Like I'm, I'm very hunger, hungry. I'm eager. Uh, I'm making this happen. And then, you know, there's like one day you wake up and you realize that you're like a vice president that is paid like significantly less than your male counterparts. <laughs> so that's kind of like a moment where you're like, Oh, I've done this to myself. People, you know, allowed it to happen, but you, you kind of are just sort of making it happen and being okay with the, the way things are moving. Um, and I think, and I write it, um, but like, that's, that's kind of not the way that you really want to go about it. I think it's so important for women to be in this kind of position. I think there's not many women that are creative directors. In fact, there's a whole conference dedicated to it. There's a 3% conference because 3% of creative directors are female. Um, so I'm very grateful that I'm, I'm in this position. I'm grateful to be working for a company that, you know, allow, you know, allows for that, that like promotes that there's, I think it's half. I mean, the head of all of creative, our national group is a woman. Uh, it's really inspiring to be a part of that. Our owner is a woman. Uh, it's a family owned company. 
Um, uh, she's the daughter of the, the, her grandfather who started it. It's, it's exciting to, to be a part of that and that, that they do foster so much of, um, this kind of thing. And I make sure that as a manager or at somebody in my level that I do the same thing down and don't make the same mistakes that I went through. Thanks so much for, for joining the show. It was, oh, you know, it's always fun to talk to you and, and, and talking to you on the record is, uh, is great. Thanks so much, Katie. You're welcome, Rob. Okay, that was the conversation with Katie O'Brien, the VP of Creative at Freeman XP and a really close friend of mine. I hope you guys enjoyed the chat and learned from it as well. Thanks so much, Katie, for being so open and sharing so much of your story with us. Special thanks to our sponsor, General Assembly. Check out ga.co and use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout, and you'll get 15% off any class or workshop. If you're in the Bay Area and you're interested in learning how to launch your own podcast, I'm teaching a workshop at GA later this month, and you can use that offer code to get 15% off that class too. So check out ga.co backslash SF, and you can find my workshop on launching a successful podcast. And coming up this Monday in San Francisco, if you're in the Bay Area, come on out and see Making Ways Live. I'm interviewing Eric Marinovich from Friends of Type. He's an acclaimed hand lettering artist and designer. And we're going to have a great time at Butcher Shop, which is one of the top creative agencies in San Francisco. Thanks so much to listeners out there and supporters. I love hearing from you. Check us out on Twitter at making underscore ways. We're on Instagram and Facebook. You can connect with us there. Every week at makingways.co, you can check out an original illustration of our guest, an article, and uh, lots of good stuff like show notes for each of our episodes. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Our intro music is by The Sandworms, and we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix, too. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great week. <laughs>